next time you're on the corner and your head is following an attraction. Thank you for joining Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the Word. We welcome all of you joining us by television and those of you joining us at airjesus.com. Stay tuned to today's message. We're doing part four, part four of controlling your flesh, part four, controlling your flesh. And I would like to read just a little Humor that I came across this week. A young woman was taking an afternoon nap. After she woke up, she told her husband, I just dreamed that you gave me a pearl necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think it means? You'll know tonight, he said. That evening, the man came home with a small package and gave it to his wife. Delighted, she opened it, only to find a book entitled The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> Open your Bible, if you will, to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians, chapter 5, the book of Galatians, chapter 5. We've been uh, reading from our primary text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. And so I wanted to uh, also read this little passage from Galatians chapter 5, which also deals with controlling your flesh. Galatians chapter 5. Let's look at verses. We'll read verses 16 through 26, beginning at verse 16, and we'll just read down through the end of the chapter. Galatians 5, beginning with verse 16. Read in unison with me. Ready? Read. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit. I started to say walk in the flesh. (laughs) This I say then. Let's start over. Verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. That means some more stuff he just didn't include it. <laughs> you mean everything else that goes along with these things is what he's saying. Everything else relating to the pleasures and the enjoyments of the flesh, you can stick in this category. He says, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the spirit, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. There it is, temperance is self-control. We're talking about controlling 
controlling your flesh, temperance, against such, there is no law, and they that are Christ, notice this, verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And we can stop right there, but we're, we're doing part four of uh, controlling your flesh. And, and don't forget 1 Corinthians 9.27 said in one translation, But I discipline my body and keep it under control. I discipline my body and keep it under control. And so we've been talking about um, bringing our bodies into subjection to our spirit and controlling our flesh, not just allowing it to run off and lead us and do things that are unprofitable and unproductive and ungodly and and things that are unhealthy and, and things that lead to ruin and destruction and that really bring our lives to destruction. And so we have to control it. We have to discipline it. We have to make Our flesh do what it needs to do, and we also have to keep it from doing certain things, restrain it from from doing those things that are harmful to us, to our lives, to our bodies, to our destinies. And so we have to we have to control it. You have to turn your name and say you have to control your flesh. You gotta control your flesh. And so I've been just I've been just calling out different areas. Um, in an attempt or in an effort to just highlight different areas that our flesh, same way the Apostle Paul did here in Galatians. He just went through and started highlighting areas that are that get out of control with the flesh, and he showed the work or the byproduct of the flesh, what it'll lead you to and what it'll lead you in. And so I've been doing something very similar, just calling out different areas that we have to control, bring in discipline and control. Um, I believe uh, something we need to do sometimes, we have to, we need to cut off the TV sometimes. Our flesh, that's an area, entertainment, our flesh will lead us to an overindulgement of, of entertainment. And, and so, you know, statistics say people watch TV sometimes six to eight hours a day so we can eat up our time. We can eat up our productivity. We can eat up our usefulness. We can eat up our purpose in life sitting in front of the tube. You know, your whole day, you can lose a whole day sitting in some, don't you feel, don't you feel stupid when you do that? You just, you've been there eight hours and you realize, yeah, I don't waste it all. I wasted a whole day. So cut the TV off. Cut the, and sometimes we need to, the, the internet is another vice. Um, and, and I'm not saying everybody, some people use the internet very productively. Some people are working, but other people are just on Facebook and MySpace. You're just chatting in all these chat rooms and so you're just wasting time. You turn your name and say, you're wasting time. <laughs> and so sometimes our flesh can, can get an overindulgence in that. And we just waste all our times on social media. We're just suffering. We're browsing. We're just losing our lives in the flesh. It'll, it'll drive you and, and, and you can't even go a day without the internet. You start shaking. If you can't get to the internet, you can't plug in. You start, you have to shake. And so that's because of flesh. Uh, it'll, it'll lead you in these overindulgences and things that will utterly um, try to control our lives and really, really get us in bad shape. And so that was one of the things that I just wanted to call out, not point fingers. And, and, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm also preaching to myself. I said that since day one of this series, everything that I call out, I'm also preaching to myself. Turn your name and say, he's preaching to himself as well. You know, there are times, uh, you know, pastors 
preach to other people as if it doesn't apply to them. No, this applies to me as well. I have struggles. I need to discipline my flesh and all these areas and control my flesh just as I'm telling you. So I'm preaching to myself, preaching to the choir as well. <laughs> all right. So uh, cut the TV off and do some things. Learn to control your flesh. Do some things. Read. Begin to read. Read. Spend some time thinking. Get a, get a notebook, call it an idea notebook, jot down the reason you don't have ideas because you're in front of that TV. You don't have, you don't, you don't give, you don't give God time to flow ideas into your life. Get an idea notebook, spend some time, just sit quietly a couple of hours, write down ideas, get an idea notebook, think, think, plan, read, study, grow, work on yourself. You uh, make use of your time where it's productive, where it's productive in your life. And so that's an area you really have to control your flesh, because if you don't, you fritter away all of your time through enjoyment and entertainment and, and all of these other things. I was talking to a lady one time. She says she says she watches TV to 2 a.m. every night, every night. She just she said, I have to have it on. It, she said it puts me to sleep. And then I wake up and look at it while it watches me sleep. I'm looking at it. <laughs> and so that's that's a, that's an area that I just wanted to I just wanted to shout out. Give a, I'm giving a shout out to that. <laughs> but I'm shouting out different areas that that we have indulges. All right. Well, we, we've, we've highlighted some things. We talked about things that we eat. Where we get out of control, we talked about addictions, drinking, smoking, drugs, and so forth, where our flesh gets out of control. We've talked about, uh, we began talking about disciplining our flesh, um, where sexual urges are concerned. Because we all have sexual urges, and they're natural urges, and they, they have to be controlled and kept in the place where God intended us to have the freedom and the enjoyment of them. They're beautiful in their proper place and in their proper context. Sex urges is, is sort of like fire in the fireplace, you know. Long as fire is in the fireplace, it's beautiful. Oh, you can cuddle by it. You can roast mars- marshmallows in it. You can warm yourself. It, it creates a beautiful atmosphere. It warms the room. It's, it's so serene and peaceful and delightful. And you, you can enjoy a nice fireplace. But if that fire gets outside of that fireplace, <laughs> it, it turns into a different creature, doesn't it? Some, you know, something that's so beautiful in one setting, but outside of that context, it'll destroy your house. It'll burn your house down. And so sex is the same way in the context in which God created it to be enjoyed and the pleasure, you know, is beautiful. But outside of that context, it becomes a destructive force that can bring your life to ruin. And we've we've seen uh, everybody from the average Joe to the most famous celebrity be hit, and we've seen the horrendous effects of when a person's flesh is out of control, from politicians to pastors to athletes to just your average worker. We've seen sex bring ruin to lives, to marriages, to families, uh, ruining you financially, ruining you. You could ruin your health. People have, have you know, stepped outside and, and come back with disease and all types of things. And so it ruins your money and all types of things that we have seen um, that, you know, this area of the flesh where when it gets out of control, the, the devastation that it can that it can bring. I like something that that uh, Jim Garlow said. 
concerning sex, he's, he says sex was God's idea and with the exception of the idea of salvation, it is the best idea he ever had. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You know, and that's because sex is good. It's God's idea. It's, it's meant for pleasure and enjoyment. And uh, it's, it is a gift. It's a gift to celebrate. It's, it's excellent in every way. It is a gift, most wonderful gift outside of life that God has given us. <laughs> and so uh, it is natural. It is God-given. But we have to control ourselves because if we, if we let it get out of control, we let those urges get out of control, it can, it can really um, wreak havoc in our lives. Uh, Jerry Kirk said this. He said, to the extent that we live in sexual purity, we reflect for the whole world that God is at work within us, shaping our desires, choices, and actions with more than just hormones. I like that. He said, we we really, we show the whole world that God's at work in us when we live our lives controlled. Discipline, even where our sexual urges are concerned, to show that we have morality and we have control and we have discipline. Um, that's a testament, a testament to the to the world of God's grace in us and His Spirit and the ability to live with temperament and control and discipline in our lives. First Peter two two uh, eleven says this: Abstain from fleshly lusts. Abstain from the sensual urges, evil desires, the passions of the flesh that rage, that wage war against the soul. Leonard Lesord said this, he said, the more a man indulges his sexual appetite outside of marriage, the weaker he becomes. The more he denies his lustful appetite, the stronger he becomes. And so um, the Bible tells us, as we talked about last time, the Bible tells us simply to flee fornication, uh, flee fornication to run from it, run for your very lives. Uh, it doesn't tell us to try to stand around and be strong in the midst of it. The Bible says flee it, get away from it, run. Tell your neighbor, say run. <laughs> and so we have to, we have to uh, not try to necessarily resist temptation, but to go a step beyond that, avoid temptation. Avoid, turn to your neighbor and say, avoid temptation. And so we start giving some keys. Um, we said um, one key is, is not to be alone, not to be alone with someone of the opposite sex when you're in a compromising situation, you know, when there's a possible, could be a possible attraction or liking or and, you know, so uh, preventing yourself from being alone or in a compromising situation. I know a young man personally that, that got in trouble because he was working late after hours and it was another female in the building working with him. And um, they started talking and sharing and one thing led to another. And and it just it got out of control, got out of control and it just ended up in, a, in a, a real big mess, but it was because uh, they allowed themselves there to be alone and be in a compromising situation. I heard a pastor say that he had driven to his church one Saturday to do some work at the church, but when he got there, he said there were two ladies there already 
in the church working. He said he got in his car and just went home. He wanted to avoid any type of compromising situation, even the appearance of it. Uh, we have to be so careful to even avoid certain appearances, even avoid turning your name and say, we have to avoid even certain appearances. You have to safeguard. You have to safeguard yourself. I recall I was on my I was on a bike ride one day, one Saturday, and I ran into a good friend of mine. And he just happened to have, he had a, he was, he was a married man, but he had a female riding with him that was not his wife. And how many of you know that presented a slightly awkward situation? Because <laughs> we're in the middle of the woods, you know, we're in this beautiful scenery bike trail. And I noticed that when he stopped to talk to me, he never introduced me to the young lady. She was kind of, she stopped 15, 20 feet away. <laughs> And so I, I found that kind of odd. Now, I don't know. I'm not judging. That could have been his sister. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But it gave me the appearance that something was not quite right there. Now, something was not quite right. So we have to, we have to safeguard ourselves. We have to safeguard. <laughs> we have to safeguard ourselves and, and um, you know, and, and allow ourselves not to be in, in compromising situations. Some people... Uh, travel and it's, it's, you know, traveling alone is really, and you know, every person really has to know themselves. There's, some people have a greater tendency or a greater sexual urge or, um, you know, they have a, they have a, you know, maybe a more prevalent past where they've had problems in that area. So you have to kind of know yourself. And so, you know, the worse you are in the area, the really the more you have to be uh, intact in terms of setting safeguards and controlling yourself and preventing yourself from being in isolated situations where um, there can be trouble. I've heard so many stories, so many things that I have heard and seen um, where trouble has arisen because of people allowing themselves to be isolated on the road or wherever with the opposite sex and things happen all because safeguards were not in place. The Bible says in Romans 13, 14, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Now, another translation says, don't make plans. And I, I begin to see exactly what that was saying. It's saying, don't give forethought. A lot of people will plan their devious behavior. They plan it. They know where to be. They know how to look. They know what to say. They set it up. They set it up in their minds long before it ever happened. And so the Bible says, no, don't get that's giving provision to the flesh. You're making plan. Don't plan. Don't plan for sinful indulgences. Don't turn your neighbor and say, don't plan. And that's one of the times the Bible tells you not to plan. Planning is a good thing, but not in this arena, not in this particular instance. The Bible says don't plan. And because so many times when people are in devious behavior, they have planned that thing out. They have thought, you can tell by what they wore, what they wore, what they, you know, what they had on their attire. They planned, they knew where to be and how to talk and how to, they, they, they planned it out. And so the Bible says, don't, don't plan, don't plan. Some people set it up where they know exactly where to be, what to do and, and how to put it on. So don't, don't plan, don't plan. The Bible says in Romans 
13 and 14. I like Job. Now, Job was a, a bad boy. I don't know anybody else who had this particular characteristic. Job said in 31.1, he said, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to lust after any woman, not to even look at a woman lustfully. And then that's powerful. I said, Job, you're a bad boy. I don't know many men that can say that. He said he made, Job was in such control of his, of his flesh. He said he made a covenant with his eyes. We're not even going to look at a woman lustfully. That's powerful. He's not even going to look at a woman lustfully. That, that's a covenant. Job was in control because his friends were trying to accuse. They were trying to say, well, maybe this trouble that is coming in your life, Job, is because you, you, you've sinned on, you've cheated on your wife. You've gotten into sexual deviation. And Job, so he let those guys know. He said, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to even look lustfully after a woman. And that's, that's, that Job was a, tell your neighbor, said, Job was a bad boy. <laughs> He made a covenant with his eyes. Men, next time you're on the corner and your head is following an attraction, remember Job. <laughs> remember Job. Made a covenant. Made a covenant. Made a covenant. He made a covenant with his eyes. Now, here are a couple of keys I, I've learned to control our flesh. You got to speak to your flesh. You got to tell your flesh no. You got to say no to your, to your flesh. You got to say no to your flesh. You got to say, I am not. You got to embarrass your flesh. Call it out. You, you know, when, a, when an evil thought comes up, you got to call it out. Say, it, say, I am not doing that. You got to embarrass your flesh. Call it out. You got to say it. Say it out. Say no to your flesh. Second thing you have to do is feed on God's word. Feed on God's word. F.F. Bosworth said this. I remember years ago he said this. He said, people feed their bodies three hot meals a day and their spirits one cold snack a week. And you wonder why your flesh is in control and out of control. It's because we're feeding our flesh, but our spirits are impoverished. And so the flesh is stronger and therefore it controls our lives. Here are some other keys to help safeguard us uh, where sexual urges are concerned. Be careful what you feed into your mind through television, internet, movies, books, magazines. Because your most dominant thought will control your life. And so if you begin engaging in, in promiscuous activity just through your eye gate and, and viewing these things, you will find that that drive will intensify and you started getting more and more involved and more and more. And, and before you find it, you know, before you uh, realize that you, it has led you somewhere you never intended to be. And so uh, it is so vitally important that we safeguard what we feed into our minds through television, Internet, movies, books and magazines. And so I'm just calling these things out, you know, and, and to allow the Holy Spirit an opportunity to, to quicken these areas in our lives. I heard Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole say this, and it was so powerful. He said one day he was he was staying in a, a condo overlooking the beach. And he was alone. And he said he looked out of the window and saw this beautiful, beautiful young lady in a swimsuit, so attractive. And he said all of these lustful desires ran through his mind. Now, those of you who don't know Dr. Cole, he was a world-renowned minister, 
uh, Christian leader. And so he said he was alone and he had all of these uh, thoughts of lust running through his mind with this young lady that he had spotted on the beach. But he said as he stood there enjoying that, he also began to think about the consequences of what would happen if he did get involved with her. And he saw himself losing his ministry. He saw himself losing his wife. He saw himself coming to financial ruin. And then he said after that experience, he came up with this little quote. The consequence of sin is always greater than the pleasure. The consequence of sin is always greater than the pleasure. The devil only shows you the pleasure of sin. He never shows you the consequences of it. He only shows you the pleasure of sin. He never showed Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. He only showed them the apple. He showed them the luscious fruit and told them how it would make them feel and how wise they would be. He told them all the pleasure, but he never say, you're going to be kicked out, honey. You're going to have pain when you have a baby. You know, he didn't go into all of the curse and, you know, everything that would happen. He only showed the pleasure. And that's the way he operates in our lives. Those of you who are watching and listening, I want you to go to airjesus.com. You can listen to this message, message number 7457 in its entirety, Controlling Your Flesh, part four. And you can also email it to a friend absolutely free of charge. Thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because brother, you need the word. This ends message number 7457 by C. Elijah Bronner. To send this message, Controlling Your Flesh, Part 4, number 7457, to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. To listen to the complete series, simply click series on theonlineword.com. This has been message number 7457. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.